welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to have Jessica Singh. She is a dietitian, but thinks differently. And it's been an honor to work with her a couple of years ago. We worked together for several years and now she's moved to a different area, but it's so awesome to have on board. She's world of wisdom when it comes to food and she makes it really, really easy. So welcome, Jess. Hey, Dr. Shami. Thanks for having me. So Jess, we haven't really talked about food on this podcast. So I want to start with the basics. And often people can get confused about the basics, like what are the macros? How can we look at food in terms of macros, in terms of carb, fat, and protein? How would you define that? Right. Yeah, I guess we all, we've heard about what macros are and how to count your macros and essentially what the three macronutrients are, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. So these big nutrients, these macronutrients all hold an, an energy value, so a calorie value. And to provide a bit of information about that, so carbohydrates and protein per gram, they have four calories and for fat, it's got a bit more. So it's got nine calories per gram. So essentially everything that we eat falls under, you know, one of these macros or often a mixture of these macros. And I guess another thing is alcohol is another thing that has an energy value or a calorie value of about seven calories per gram. So I guess that is a very quick overview of what macros are. Excellent. I loved how you mentioned it. But for those listeners who are not quite sure what a carb is, can we give examples of a yeah, carb? Yeah, 100%. And protein. Yeah. So carbohydrates, I think of it as a bit of on a bit of a spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, we'll have the carbohydrates that are more fibrous and less starchy or less sugary. So these will be a lot of your green leafy vegetables, a lot of your vegetables that grow above ground and then you know along the spectrum you get vegetables and fruit and grains that hold a bit more sugar and a bit more starch and those will you know be your potatoes your sweet potatoes your or a lot of your grain-based products your wheat rye barley or things like that and you know even your simple carbohydrates like your sugar and things like that and for protein there is animal sources of protein like your beef chicken fish eggs things like that and your plant-based sources of protein so your tofu tempeh legumes and just you know to go back on what we're talking about like things like legumes even though i just said it you know falls under protein it actually holds probably more carbohydrates than protein so that just kind of shows that yeah a lot of food and I guess we often think about legumes as as a good plant-based source of protein but if you actually break down the macros you'd see that it probably provides a bit more carbohydrates per gram than protein. Do you know what that's something I learned from you Jess it was actually a wake-up call yeah I remember when you were analyzing my diet and it was you know, at that time uh, I was eating lentils and I yeah. did not think of it as a carbohydrate. Yeah, I know. Neither did I, but <laughs> yeah. And even chickpeas as a carbohydrate, like yeah. more carbs to protein. Exactly. And really reflecting on the South Asian Indian diet mm. and how it could be rice with chickpeas, yeah. with lentils and maybe sweet potato. <laughs> and literally. And then if you look at that and, and, you know, we just think it's like, oh, it's just a bit of rice and thinking, oh, it's more of the other stuff and, it, you know, it should be fine. And if you look at 
it's just, uh, you know, the protein content of that, it's actually really low. And I think if we think about kind of, well, how much protein do we need and how much am I going to get from chicken versus lentils and or chickpeas? Like, sure, you can get the same amount of protein, but at a lot higher cost, like a lot more calories that someone's going to consume if they're trying to hit a certain protein amount. So that's, you know, also why we probably, or, you know, I would tell people to think very carefully where they're getting their protein sources from and they're really all not created equally. So true. Yeah. So true. And I love how you mentioned about simple and complex carbs because not all carbs are bad. No. And I think that's a really important point to make. 100%. And I think, yeah, you know, we've known each other for a long time and I was, you know, very into the ketogenic diet and, and the low carb diet, which I still think is great. And it's got lots of wonderful benefits. But I think, yeah, I've also had to really change my thinking around not lumping carbohydrates all into this one category of bad or, you know, it can't be incorporated because it so can be incorporated. And sometimes I think it's even really beneficial depending on someone's lifestyle or for the simple fact that they just don't want to live a life without having carbohydrates and so we need to learn how to integrate that in a way that they can still get their health goals absolutely and it's really interesting you said that because it really makes me think about not one size fits all because i know many women who are carnivore Mm. i know many women patients who are low carb ketogenic Mm. And then others are paleo or they just eat a balanced diet of carbs, fat and protein. And it's really interesting because whatever group you're in, you tend to be flying the flag for that group. Totally. No other diet should be, it can't be anything else but your your diet. Yeah. But it's really important to know that every person is so different. So I actually know a patient who came to see me because she went very low carb ketogenic but became insomniac but she actually could not sleep and then it caused her so much mental distress it actually triggered depression because it was weeks and weeks and weeks of not sleeping on a very very low carb diet and so it's really important to know that each body is so different because often i remember your consults dress where you actually mentioned about that how you know some women actually need a bit of carb at night Mm. to enable them to sleep I think it's also important to remember that sometimes something can work for a while and then it doesn't. And I think we need to be able to have the flexibility to change that and kind of own if something isn't working. And I think you're so right in saying that, you know, what once we get our hearts set on this way of eating, we are very pro that and find it quite hard to change or kind of realize that, hang on, why isn't this working anymore? And I think for a lot of the times, low carb works really well. And But I also think that, you know, someone's lifestyle may change along the way and they might start going, okay, all these good things that once happened, it's not maintainable, it's not happening anymore, it's gone away. But we get a bit scared to change because... Yeah, you know, that with low carb, I'm not saying everybody thinks that, but there is this, I think, underlying kind of maybe message that carbohydrates are a bit bad or they cause certain diseases. And so therefore, even having a little bit of it, which might be beneficial or might make someone feel a little bit better. Yeah, we become a very apprehensive or a bit scared to go there and then, yeah, have to, you know, live with certain things like not sleeping when hopefully it can be resolved with a bit of change in change in the macros and a few more points on low carb and i always laugh at this because all these diets have come out in the last 10 15 years and i laugh at the low carb diet because to be honest with you it's called low carb because we're eating too much carb 
And but we've just named it. In actual fact, we should not be eating as many carbs as we are. Totally. I know. So interesting you say that. And I think that's the thing. I think we probably just eat too many carbs anyway. So when we start changing our diet, we, we call it a low carb diet, we call it a ketogenic diet, maybe a ketogenic diet. Yes, there's a lot more therapeutic implications for that. But, but if we're just talking about low carb for weight loss, or yeah, changing your body composition. I think, yeah, a lot of us are coming from a very, very high carbohydrate diet. And I think sometimes if we read what we read, we think we need to go as low as 20 grams and not be able to have, I guess, our typical carby foods. But actually, it might just be like, even if you change your diet by 50% and reduce your carbohydrates by 50%, and it may not like a typical low carb diet, but you're still probably going to get lots of benefits. Absolutely. Absolutely. It starts off with the basics, to be honest. Totally. Removing the high sugary foods, all mm. the hidden sugars, the processed foods, removing the oils. And I love that this is literally how you start, isn't it? Just like the oils, the process, there's three things where you can really clean up your diet. Totally. Or you go even deeper. And so can we give our listeners an outline of what could hidden sugars be found in? Lots of things, I guess, typical hidden sugars, sauces, even, you know, spreads that we use on bread or, you know, like even if you make like pancakes or waffles or whatever, spreads on that. Lots of hidden sugars in marinades, in, you know, and then obviously your typical, like, I guess these are not so hidden sugars, but yeah, a lot of your processed foods and drinks and energy drinks and all of those sorts of things. So I think sugars pretty much in everything, any kind of pre-made sauces that you get in a jar, any kind of convenience food which has a label, probably has some kind of sugar, even if it's not a lot, it probably has some from a, you know, making it taste balanced and palatable. So I think, again, a lot of things have sugar. and But I also think it's about really reading the label, seeing how much sugar there is in it and learning how to read a nutrition label and seeing okay per serve of this how much sugar am I actually getting and you know is this something that may make my life a little bit easier and I think it's pretty nuanced I think it depends on where someone is in their health journey and sometimes they may need a few of these products just to be able to you know feed their family or from a convenience or a time perspective so I think as much as we want to cut all of it out as much as we can I think if you're going to have it you probably need to choose the best of the lot that we have in the supermarket absolutely I always give that outline of a quite a good marker is four grams of sugar equivalent to one teaspoon yeah yeah and so would that be right so when people look at the label just go straight to carbohydrates look at the sugar and because it's always in grams and that can give you a really good estimate of the number of teaspoons and teaspoons for some reason has a more visual impact like it once you divide it by four and you get the number of teaspoons you like just make a better decision because you probably won't ever put that many teaspoons in yes, your own serve. yeah <laughs> and you're like oh i would never have that but if you have no idea or even the gram if you, if you hear like oh 16 grams you're just like oh, okay if the, you've got no idea what that even looks like then you'll be like sure okay that's what it is then absolutely and so when you start looking at barbecue sauces or tomato sauce that they're yeah. in the 20s in terms of teaspoons and also like so many of us don't even look at serving sizes we just go for it that's so true isn't it because yeah it, it's sort of like a little trick giving you a serving size <laughs> you think there's actually less sugar totally yeah, yeah yeah and it's just crazy like um even if you look at i don't know like something like a chocolate bar and how i was looking at one the other day and just for what 
to me would be a single serve chocolate bar it was three servings I was like this is not three servings like if nobody well I don't think most people would look at this chocolate bar and be like oh yeah sure I'll eat this across three days it's like and so it's really interesting even things that you would think is one serve when you turn the packet around it's really not and I think that's probably how a lot of us get caught up absolutely absolutely so Jess, you get this great outline of carbs, fat, and protein. Can we help our listeners? How do we create a simple food plate? So we're not going to any type of particular diet. Mm. We're literally going through the basics of a healthy, balanced food plate. Sure. How do we create one? So regardless of what type of way someone eats, my recommendation is always starting with protein. Always making sure that you know how much protein you should be getting for your needs and what your goal around body composition is or your activity levels or your just overall health i'd start with making sure you have enough protein because i think that is the foundation that will then determine how much of the other macros you eat and so i always start with that and then filling up your plate with enough protein for you and then having your fibrous vegetables obviously and having some kind of fat which is so important just for you know hormonal function and the fact that it's essential to our diet doing that and then putting on your carb of choice depending again on what way of eating you follow that makes it really simple i'd love to just dive into more on protein and i think it's really interesting when we analyze diets it is actually very carb heavy and i don't know if it was you know, conditioning or have we been told the wrong messages of, oh, you need energy, so where are your carbs? It's really interesting looking at different plates where it's so much carb heavy. And to be honest, nine times out of 10 of my patients are under eating protein. And I think you're right in terms of the energy stuff, because that's what I heard growing up. That's what I heard in uni about the fact that you can possibly cut your carbohydrates probably two things it's that you need your whole grains and then the other thing it's like well it's energy so you have to have it and I think there is a place for both of it I think if someone wants to have whole grains in their diet that's fine and if they're doing a lot of activity where they will benefit from a bit more carbohydrates in their diet that's fine as well but I think to you know like we've spoken about before like an athlete and someone who is sedentary sitting behind a desk it's like you can't imagine that they will require the same amount of carbohydrates and the same amount of protein so I think probably in so much of nutrition at least what I heard in uni and things like that we always talk about carbohydrates and fat and whether you're for it or against it or whether you're pro-low carb or pro-low fat but I think we often just kind of then go oh have some protein like palm-sized portion of protein and then we kind of don't really talk about it as much or kind of go oh if someone has like a little bit of chicken or have an egg for breakfast that's considered high protein where it's like that's not high protein at all or or that's not I would never say 100%, but I'm very sure that one egg is not enough protein for someone. Absolutely. And another point to make is that protein, and we forget, are the building blocks of everything in our body, from cells to hormones to enzymes. And it's really, really interesting. Energy actually perks up when someone's eating the right protein for their weight and even actually such an improvement to mental health and we forget that you know because yep. it's supporting all our happy chemicals and i actually think it's been forgotten you know in dietary guidelines it's actually not really talked about at all totally and you're so right because even as a dietitian like really early on when i first graduated i don't even think i spoke about it oh wow as much yeah yeah like i sort of 
you know, knew that we needed it. Like you said, like, you know, the building blocks, you need essential amino acids. Like, But I really, really didn't know the importance of it. And I think I didn't know how much or what it looked like. Obviously, you do what you do in uni and you kind of, you know, know certain things, but you actually when you do the calculation and you think about how much you should be getting and what that looks like and then you look at it across yourself and then the people that you see and you're like oh wow they're like we really actually have no idea how much we should be getting and how it really does influence how much we eat our cravings our snacking and how I think even just correcting that even if you just correct that as a start I reckon there'll be such a positive ripple on effect to be able to then tackle the other things like you know sugar cravings or the constant need to snack and I think even if you don't change anything else and don't cut out the rest of your carbohydrates or whatever but just first started by getting in enough protein especially in the morning it's really interesting to see what that can do. I couldn't agree with you more Jess and I literally see that in patients where once they're actually eating the right protein they're happier they're calmer they've got more energy they're sleeping better they're avoiding snacking they their sugar cravings sort of disappear eventually sometimes feel that's actually the being the missing link in terms of education i love the way you pair food and that means like how do we pair food do we ever put fat and carb together do we always go protein carb protein fat and why do we need to do that I think, I guess, to simply answer that question, I don't think it matters how we pair food essentially. But I guess, again, depending on your goals, I would first go, okay, again, if I have enough protein, then it's unlikely, not saying not possible, but I think it's a lot easier to control how much carbohydrates and how much fat you're eating. And I think in current day packaged foods, like it's most of it, it's a combination of something that's high carbohydrate and high fat. And I think that combination makes food really palatable and really moorish. And we find it really hard to stop at a little bit. And I think essentially, if we look at low carbohydrate diet, it would be one end of the spectrum in terms of, okay, if we are having a low carbohydrate diet, it's generally higher in fat because you have less carbohydrates so I guess in that way of eating we're not pairing carbohydrates and fat and if you look at high carbohydrate maybe plant-based diet you are going higher carbohydrate and less fat so you're not pairing carbohydrates and fat together so essentially in the world of weight loss or trying to lose a bit of fat we normally pick I guess, where our energy is coming from. So whether you are a bit more towards a higher carb way of eating or towards a higher fat way of eating and therefore lower carb. I think you can definitely have both in your diet. You know, if someone is counting their macros or they like using a calculator, I think you can definitely have, you know, some of each, maybe fat, moderate carbohydrate, but I guess that will require a bit more calculation and I guess, you know, a bit more vigilance around where it's all coming from. But I guess essentially, if you have a higher protein diet and you monitor where your carbs and fats coming from, that's probably how I would go in terms of like forming a plate and then, yeah, choosing how I want to eat. You know what? Well, that makes so much sense. A take-home message is just be aware if your meal is just carbon fat, <laughs> to be honest. Totally. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of it is, is like we have, you know, we can easily have, you know, pasta with some olive oil and a bit of garlic and it's like delicious, but it's got no protein in it. Or like you were saying, like, you know, without like South Asian diet, it's like you could have, you know, rice and dal or chickpeas or whatever, and it'd be 
yes it might have some protein but also it's like you know the ghee that you use in the cooking or the olive oil or whatever and even though you can't maybe you don't see any obvious forms of fat it's probably in your cooking anyway and I think if you're just aware and I think it goes back to my first point which I know it sounds like I'm saying the same thing but if we go back to the same point of if you try and make sure that you have a visible sufficient source of protein I think it will then become easier or you start looking at your food not looking at it like in carbs protein and fat because that's you know you don't want to live that way either but understanding what your foods are made up of slowly slowly the more you do that you are able to tell where your protein is coming from where your carbohydrates are coming from where your fats coming what you know whether you're getting your goals excellent so Jess you've become a mum in the last year yes and I know it's just transformed your life and I love you know we were just joking just before this podcast about how you know regimental you were with your patients in terms of starting yeah. different ways of eating and how you've actually changed you found so much more empathy in the last year because life is hectic as a new parent yeah what are the tips that you have found that works when you're managing food on the go for busy parents I think it's number one acknowledging that the way you used to eat and and this is personal at least for me the way I used to eat or the way I would spend all my time looking at you know certain products or sourcing certain foods or ordering stuff online or doing all those things that is all gone (laughs) and that's fine but I think it's knowing that will change yeah and I think I'm a you know a lot more empathetic to the fact that it's not easy to always think about food and I think a lot of the times when we're busy we really really just go to what's convenient probably how it's changed in the last year would be again eating on the go I guess what I would do is just make sure that when you're eating it's proper to start with so that way you're you know and when I mean proper I mean like a proper meal again with the protein and with the fat and maybe with a bit of carbs if that's what you're doing and trying to make sure that you eat in a way that's filling and you're full and therefore you are a lot less likely to snack because again you know I guess with most new parents there's the sleep deprivation there's the you know the whole change in your sleep routine and the fact that you're probably eating at hours or eating a lot quick at hours you normally wouldn't or you're eating a lot quicker or you're a lot less mindful which can obviously lead to then overeating or poorer choices or whatever so I guess kind of managing food on the go I'd always just make sure that eat a proper meal to start with and if you were to have snacks you know whether that's a protein shake or a good quality protein bar or you know yogurt or something like that and yeah again that's the way my brain works at least like I try and center it around protein and whether you have that with you know fruit or whatever that's another thing but I try and center it around protein and just watching out for you know I guess more energy dense or calorie dense snacks like you know just be mindful of you know nuts and trail mix and things like that because they really can add up and yeah just know that again with things like nuts and things like that as much as they're healthy and we told that they are full of protein they're probably more full of fat than protein again and whether that and if that works for you and if that is in line with what you're doing that's great but I think again for so many of us we think about it as a high protein snack when it's actually got probably more fat than protein in it so just something that's brilliant Jess really really, and especially a good starting point for many people who've had a life transition where they had the time you know to meal prep to have a Mm. think about what they're eating be having much more control of their choices to 
a complete transition in their life where mm. you know there are other priorities totally. it's really hard to stay on track sometimes so definitely there's lots of empathy there thank you so much jess for your time we need to bring you back there's so much more to talk about in terms you're of welcome. fasting and all sorts of oh, things. Yes. Absolutely. We love talking about that and we need to bring you back for it. So Jess, thank, thank you. you so much. Now, before we let you go, where can people find you? I am based in Geelong in Victoria and my website is www.geelongdietheticsandnutrition.com.au. Fantastic. So please get in touch with Jess. She will guide you through it. She will work out how much protein you need. (laughs) (laughs) If that's one thing I do. (laughs) Absolutely. And just guide you in a really lovely, empathic and non-judgmental way. And often, you know, there's so many books out there and it's really confusing. Mm. That's what I find that you can take on a book, think it's working, but actually each body is so different. It's actually really important actually to have guidance if you're finding struggle to lose weight or for various other reasons jess is brilliant with gut health as well so it is confusing because books can be contradictory as well so really important to have the guidance and expertise of someone like jess so thank you jess thank you dr sherry remember that this is general advice only please see your healthcare professional for more information So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six-week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.